Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favorite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Lloyd Newcastle Mini and BMW. For the latest offers and to browse their used car stock, go to LloydMotorGroup.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove. Today, joined by Sean McCormick. We have could have had a very positive podcast earlier this week, but rotor issues, newborn babies and the such of air. Made it a little bit um, of an issue, but here we are on Friday, just after press, uh, just after Rafa Benitez's press conference, stumbled over words there, uh, professional as ever. How was Rafa Sean? I mean, you popped down to see him at the training ground along with Lee Ryder, obviously the big game on Sunday against Arsenal. Um, lots of talking points. We'll start namely with, obviously it is Arsenal coming to St James' Park, they've just come back from Moscow. <clears throat> Did Benitez think it would give Newcastle a bit of a, an advantage? Um, just to start off with, I think Benitez was very positive about Newcastle's situation this afternoon. He was in a really good mood. He was smiling, laughing with the journalists. Um, talking about Arsenal, he kind of he kind of said that you know, yes, they've had this turnaround, and he, he talks about Arsenal suffering, which he's spoken about in the past with teams that they've suffered because they they've had that so that that's such a hard turnaround coming from Moscow. I think it's a one thousand seven hundred and eighty something mile it's trip from Moscow. A bit, of a, it's a bit of a trek, yeah. So you know. They are going to come up here with either a weakened team or a team that's not quite a peak physical fitness. But yeah, he was positive about Newcastle's chances. He says they're confident they're going to win. They're going with the same mentality as they did against Southampton, against Huddersfield, against Leicester, that they can win the game. But at the same time, he's mindful that Arsenal are still a very good side. Yeah, they're not having the best of seasons by their standards. They're not going to qualify for the Champions League via their league position. But they've still got quality players, likes of Ozil, Aubameyang, who's cup tied in the Europa League, so he's going to be fresh. Aaron Ramsey's in great form. Danny Welbeck's in good form. You know, he's got those type of players that you, know, you imagine that you would love to have at his disposal at Newcastle. Obviously, he doesn't have those kind of quality players at Arsenal, so he's wary that they're a good team. He spoke fondly of Arsene Wenger, said that you know he's got a lot of respect for Wenger. Still feels like he's a very good manager, and the fact that he's gotten to the Europa League semi-finals, the Carabao Cup final. Yeah, the league position isn't great, but he's still had a very good season. At, uh, in North London, so you know he's he's, he's very respectful of, of Wenger, very mindful of the quality Arsenal possesses, but but at the same time, he's very confident that Newcastle can get the win on Sunday. 
Now, I'm not, I don't know how you feel about <coughs> stats and records. Obviously, they're just a piece of paper in many ways, but Arsenal have a tremendous record against Newcastle. Yeah. I think it's they haven't lost the last 10, so I think they might have actually won their last 10 games. The last time Newcastle won was when, when Norberto Solana scored in 2005, which is what's that, 13 years ago now. Yeah. Um, does that play on a mind? I know Benitez wasn't here, the players obviously weren't there back, you know, yeah. but they've been. Do, they, do you think that they'll be aware of that record? Do you think that'll play on their mind at all? I mean, they might be aware of it. I don't think it'll necessarily play on their mind. You think back like that, that game that you talked about there when Solano scores a long time ago. The teams went through about three different cycles since then. Very different squad now. Um, I don't think they enter as Rafa's mentality either. They got asked a question this afternoon about you know memories of the 4-4 game and how it was a fantastic turnaround and kind of trying to revoke those kind of memories and Rafa said yeah it was a great turnaround but he doesn't know much about it he doesn't really associate himself with that emotionally because why would he he wasn't anything to do with Newcastle at the time um, so I think that was quite telling the fact that he's not going to kind of look back on the on the the past record against Arsenal yeah it is grim it's, it makes for grim reading but you'll look back to the game in December when Newcastle were in a pretty difficult run of form they hadn't won for a long time I was down there that day and to be fair they give a really good account of themselves and they were very unlucky not to snatch a point that day they, 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 they matched them kind of blow for blow we've spoken about the turnaround they've got from Moscow now it's going to be it's going to be very difficult for Arsenal to arrive in Newcastle in peak condition they kind of pick themselves up from you know the, the high of Thursday night but they're going to have that long travel home not really much of a turnaround they're, going to have, they're not going to have the rhythm if you look at the team you named for the CSK Moscow game the home leg to the one he named in Southampton on the, on the Sunday it was very different so we don't think it's going to kind of have that rhythm from Thursday night everything points to the fact that Newcastle have got a very good chance in this game yeah Arsenal are in good form they're in Europa League semi-finals but Newcastle are in good form themselves they're confident in their own ability and something he spoke about quite a bit today was the mentality he says that in terms of mentality, he's one of the best squads he's, he's managed. And yes, they, they don't necessarily have the ability of some of the Liverpool teams, the Valencia teams, Real Madrid teams he's managed, but in terms of mentality, he says it's one of the best he's ever had. So I think going into that Arsenal game on Sunday, they'll have every confidence that they can, they can get three points. It is indeed that Newcastle have lost their last 10 games against Arsenal. The only uh, time they've had a longer losing streak uh, against the Premier League opponent is between 2009 and 2015 when they suffered. 12 consecutive defeats against which side? I've got no idea. You're usually this, you are usually the quiz man. It is Manchester City. Um, I haven't seen that one in Sportman. <laughs> but Arsenal, obviously, they beat Southampton 3-2 um, over the weekend, yep. uh, last weekend. Going forward, they, they do look very good. They, they look like the Arsenal of old, so to speak. Score some wonderful goals, some wonderful passing uh, movement but at the back they look vulnerable Peter Cech Peter Cech doesn't look like the kind of goalkeeper he was 3-4 years ago obviously he's ageing but they just look very indecisive and if Newcastle can create the chances that we we saw against the likes of Huddersfield um, obviously again a lesser opponent but if they can get the ball in the box if Slomani starts for example and can you know use his strength and his movement there's no reason why Newcastle can't frighten that defence and cause a bit of mayhem you know in the Arsenal box no definitely and as we were saying before as you said there Arsenal brilliant going forward but at the back they kind of got a rick in them Mustafi particularly has looked a bit shaky in recent weeks um, Petr Cech last night the second goal I think he should have done a lot better with that he pushed it back into play gave CSK Moscow that rebound chance to to go 2 up on the night um, but yeah I think if Newcastle can get at the early doors the fans will be on the side the fans will be arriving in positive mood anyway Newcastle are virtually safe 
Rafa talks about reaching the 40 point mark they'll know if they get that win on, on Sunday they've surpassed that so the fans will be arriving in good spirits it's another sellout um, and Benitez spoke about making that, that kind of that quick start against Southampton setting down the mark by early doors and he, obviously he's not expecting Newcastle to kind of do that against Arsenal but in an ideal world I think that's how he sees the game getting an early goal getting a foothold in the game getting the fans on the side you know putting that, putting the Arsenal defence under pressure You'd think that you might bring in the likes of Callum Chambers, who haven't really been playing that much because of the, the, the turnaround. Um, players like that, you know, who you, you know, they've got ability, but they, they still haven't quite got that experience, haven't quite had the, the run of games that you'd want to build that kind of rhythm. Um, but yeah, I think, as you say there, Arsenal, if they are got any vulnerabilities at all, it's definitely at the back. It's been that case for four, four or five years now. So the likes of Kennedy, who can get at him, you know, he, 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 he can create something. Whereas Dwight Gillis, Samani, you know, Perez, that he's playing well at the moment. Shelby's playing some brilliant passes through. There's definitely a chance to kind of pounce on that vulnerability. And you look at the likes of maybe Holden, who might play on Sunday at centre back. Dwight Gill um, is the the match day star, front cover star on Sunday for the, for the match day program. In in the interview with the with the club, he says he has a lot to prove still. He hasn't yeah. scored as many goals as he wants. If Holden's a centre back, and again, I, I don't want like, to single anybody out, but he, he doesn't look like a Premier League defender. Surely the likes of Dwight Gale and John Joe Shelby will be licking their lips and thinking, you know what, we, we, we can target these, they are vulnerable. Definitely, and you, you talk about Dwight Gale there, it'd be interesting to see whether he keeps his place um, ahead of his Lamps morning. I imagine that's going to be the only potential change on Sunday. Um, if he does start, though, yeah, I think Holden, again, or the Chambers, if one of those players comes in, they're the type of players that you're going to have to try and exploit that haven't had that run of games. They're still young, you know. They've got a potential mistake in them. I mean, everyone has got a potential mistake in them. But as you say, they are the kind of players that Rafa and Newcastle look to target, try and penetrate the defence. You can get Greg Galen behind. He's, he's made some great runs this season. Hasn't necessarily scored the goals, but he's got himself in those positions. And it just takes that one goal to kind of change the run of form, and hopefully that can come on Sunday. And at the other end for Newcastle, obviously, we, we largely expected to be the same side. Yeah. Um, but if Lascelles wants to prove himself as one of the best in the Premier League, which he hasn't done a bad job yeah. at doing so far this season. Then testing himself against the likes of, uh, you know, the strikers Arsenal have got, there's no better way to do it than go out there and, and help Newcastle keep a clean sheet. That's it. You know, if I'm struggling to speak now, the Cells has got six games between now and the end of the season to kind of force his way into Gareth Southgate's plans. You think he's got to do something pretty remarkable now? Because he's been very good all season. But yeah, certainly playing against a striker of Aubameyang's calibre who's come in, he's started scoring goals for Arsenal now, he's in a good vein of form. You know, being the best striker in the Bundesliga, arguably, alongside Lewandowski for, for a number of seasons now. If he can prove himself against that calibre of striker, it's not going to do his, his chances any harm. And you, you think back to that Man United game when it was so crucial. He really stepped up that day, didn't he? He kept, kept the Man United, Man United attacking line really quiet, really performed well, and it was against potential... England rivals in terms of Chris Smalling, Phil Jones. Now I'm not saying Rob Holden and Callum Chambers are going to be potential England rivals for the World Cup this summer, but they're both players who have been through the system, who Gareth Southgate knows well from the under 21s. You'll want to see, you'll want to really show that yeah they've got a lot of potential. They're playing for a big club, but this is the kind of level you need to be at to even be considered because obviously the sales still hasn't had that call up yet. But he's been absolutely fantastic this season. I, I don't see why that's going to change on Sunday. Um. Obviously Newcastle now on 38 points, just two away from the marker that Benitez set them of obviously 40 points. Kind of went into that Leicester game, which we'll talk about in just a second. 
with the pressure off them, everyone's kind of said the West Brom game, that'll be the, 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 yeah. the win that'll get them over that line. But obviously they beat Leicester, and then come to this Arsenal game again, largely with the pressure off, like Benitez, yeah. I think, mentioned today. Newcastle are, lot, are the underdogs, you know, yeah, Arsenal course, are expected yeah. to win. Um, that is an advantage in itself, doesn't it? That they can go out there and they can play with a freedom that Kennedy can stream forward and they can they can largely play without anyone expecting them to, to beat Arsenal. Of course, yeah. <clears throat> I think freedom's, freedom's the key word there. Yes, Rafa keeps banging on about Newcastle need to hit that 40-point mark be absolutely assured of safety. But he also said that the players realise they're in a much better position than they were back in February two months ago going in that minute game when the bottom three they realise they're in a very good run of form at the minute everyone's confident everyone's training well everyone's playing well and he says that the players are aware that they're in that, that, that kind of that good, that good run of form at the minute <coughs> sorry about that the pressure won't be on Newcastle Arsenal will be the favourites um, it's kind of a free hit isn't it as you say if he is talking about getting that 40 point mark knowing you've still got that West Brom game to come the pressure isn't on Newcastle to win at all but I think they can go in there. The likes of Kennedy can be unleashed. Matt Ritchie's looked very good in recent weeks. You know, Shel- Shelby's played with that freedom for a while. I think the army allows Shelby to play with that freedom a lot more as well as he does the dirty work in midfield. So, yeah, to say the pressure's off Newcastle and hopefully going into the weekend, that, that'll show on the pitch. Grand. I mean, and what is the key thing that you think Benitez will be targeting on Sunday to, to maybe get those three points? I think preying on the defensive vulnerabilities will be a start though, he, he, he said he wants to go in with exactly the same mentality as Huddersfield and Southampton he's aware of Arsenal's quality clearly they are a lot more proficient outfit than the likes of Huddersfield and Southampton but knowing that he's got the backing of the fans who he says have been brilliant at home the last couple of, the last couple of the games um, Newcastle knowing that they're, they're in a good run of form now it could be a fourth successive win it'll be a, I think it'll be a fourth successive win at home as well you know so he knows they've got all those kind of advantages. If they can just prey on that, like said, Kennedy, who he says gives a different dimension going forward, like they didn't necessarily have before January. A player who can who can get at the defence, make them worried, offer them something different, and create something out of nothing. Those are the type of players I think you'll you'll look to you'll look to on uh, Sunday to make the impact. Score prediction. I think Newcastle will win. I'm going to go two one. I think that yeah, Arsenal, you know, clearly are the stronger team, um, but. They've got nothing really to play for in the, in the league now. They've got a lot of things going against them going into the weekend. You know, the players are going to necessarily aren't going to be the peak physical fitness. They're going to have to make a lot of changes. They're not going to have time that much time to have prepared for Newcastle in terms of the training pitch and planning for their system because all their efforts would have been focused on CSK Moscow um, ahead of Thursday. So all that kind of plays in Newcastle's hands. Newcastle are in a very good run of form. The shackles are off in terms of they know they are virtually safe. It's a big kind of incentive to get that three points now to surpass that 40 point mark knowing they'll still have five games to go after that and you know Rafa, Rafa's kind of <clears throat> make, make sure they maintain that that is still the target safety is still the target but once you surpass that 40 point mark with a win on Sunday they'll still be in the top 10 if they win and he's kind of said that yeah the safety was the target now we've achieved that there's no reason why we can't stay here and even look to go even higher on the Premier League table and do you think that Newcastle now are safe that's it even if they don't maybe win another game all season Newcastle are safe I think so I think you look at the, the, the obviously Newcastle are 10th now so there's a lot of teams between them and the bottom three um, 
you know, it's going to take a lot. Uh, it's going to take a massive, massive swing of a lot of teams to to reel Newcastle back in. I think potentially if they lose all six games, thirty-eight points will still be enough. Um, you look at Southampton. You look at Stoke. Do you, do you can you see them getting ten points? Will be eleven points, won't it? In terms of Newcastle's superior goal difference, can you see those kind of teams getting? 10, 11 points from five or six games. I know I certainly can't. So, yeah, that, that hitting that benchmark of 40 points is is, good, is a massive kind of psychological barrier to, to, to leap over the hurdle, but I think it's pretty much done now in terms of Newcastle's safety. And at the moment, Newcastle just three points off Everton in ninth. Yeah. Uh, Sam Aldice hinted today that Everton could still qualify for Europe. Bit of a long shot, but Newcastle, it might be Arsenal on Sunday, and then suddenly... You know they're over that forty-point mark. Benitez then start looking at Europe and thinking, "Well, there's five games. You go them five games unbeaten, <laughs> and suddenly we could be talking about you know trips to Italy or Spain next season." I think I think that's more wishful thinking to be honest. With the same token, we're talking about Newcastle being dragged back in the relegation zone. It's eleven points between them and Burnley. I don't think that's a kind of a, an achievable target to to reel them back in and get seventh place. But I think Benitez, the way Benitez is thinking, if they can get top 10, even ninth place, catch Everton, get that ninth place, um, head into the summer. It makes them a more attractive proposition to, to new players. Um, it kind of shows the work he has done on a limited budget. You know, he, He's spoken about, you know, he often gets asked, if you finish top 10, well, might actually look at that and say, oh, we're not going to let you buy new players. He kind of sees it as, no, we finished top, we finished top 10 with this group of players. If you give me X, Y, and Z, get two or three more quality players in who knows where he could finish next season nobody would have predicted at the start of the season that Burnley would be 7th place and Boris Southampton win the FA Cup qualifying for Europe which is looking more and more likely now um, there's no reason why Newcastle can't aspire to that next season I think now it's, it's, it's too much of a, of a hurdle to climb um, they're in a good run of form at the moment, but I think no one's naive enough to think that Newcastle will win every single game between now and the end of the season. It's probably going to come to an end at some point. They've done enough to survive. They've done enough to get in the top 10, which is an absolutely amazing achievement. Because people keep trying to forget, yes, Newcastle's a massive club, but they were still in the Championship last season. It's still primarily the same squad that won the Championship last season. Um, so I think top 10, you'd be very, very happy with that. I think if he finishes anywhere as high as 12, you'll be very, very happy with that. Obviously, most Newcastle fans would have told you at the start of the season we finished 17th we'd be absolutely over the moon with that so they've already exceeded expectations but I think Europe's a bit too, bit too much a bit too high of a target to aspire to I can always dream now on to <laughs> the Leicester game which obviously is <clears throat> nearly a week ago now um, yeah. we've gone to how well Newcastle had performed but in general it was an excellent game I think Chris Woff said to us that he hasn't seen a, a game that open in a very long time yeah. both sides were end to end and really wanting to get those three points, which in the build-up, people were saying, well, it's just a mid-table clash, Leicester are safe, um, maybe going for Europe, but not not quite in the mix, maybe, what what, the, what both teams got to play for, and yet, it turned out to be an excellent and entertaining uh, clash. Well, on the flip side of that, that, that could be the case, but on the flip side, it also is two teams who know that they are virtually safe. Even last week, when Newcastle won 30, was it 30, 35 points, um, you kind of had the feeling that it would take something dramatic from Newcastle to kind of be dragged back in the mire they knew they only needed that one more win not many people would have expected to come at Leicester but it did open up the game didn't it the both teams played without freedom I personally thought that Newcastle would try and keep it tight in the first half, try and survive till half time obviously Leicester have got 
superb attacking talent and the likes of Jamie Vardy, Riyad Mahrez. Um, but, you know, they, they took it to Leicester from minute one and Shelby getting that opening goal quite early on, that kind of made Leicester kind of had to come out and attack the game. Perez making a 2 0. We knew that then Newcastle would kind of try and shut up shop, try and restrict Leicester. But, you know, both teams went for it, both teams played with the shackles off, so to speak, and it made for a very entertaining game. Definitely. For those who are just watching on Twitter, that's the end of the, the sneak preview. And the podcast will be uploaded later this afternoon. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, and that's where you'll find it. And of course, we'll tweet it out and put it over on Facebook. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, so Sean obviously um, Shelby performed well. The defence performed really well. And there's that forty second clip of um, there's that forty second clip yeah. of the defence <coughs> flying about the place and uh, Christian Atsu just dropped the phone there. Christian Atsu flying in, uh, Paul Dummer flying in. A lot of people saying you know it shows the passion and the commitment of the side. On the other hand, you might think <laughs> Rafa Benitez would have been a little bit angry that they couldn't keep hold of the ball for that uh, for that passage of play. Indeed, and you know, the, the, the saying often goes, and there's been banners, and the fans have often said, all we ask for is a team that tries, and they've got that now, haven't they? And nothing symbolised it more than that clip. It was brilliant to watch, you know. I watched it a couple of times the week, and every time you watched it, you were kind of G'd up watching it, weren't you? And, Got a great reaction from the fans on social media. Even the players kind of joined in. Paul Dummett tweeted about it. He had them tweeting about it. Atsu tweeting about it. I think on the radio, we listen to the radio quite a bit in the office on Matchday, don't we? John Anderson, he was absolutely loving it. You know, a former Newcastle defender. He was loving the kind of full-blooded challenges they were putting in. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> Atsu cleaned out the Leicester man, didn't he? But, you know, it, as you say there, it really does... Showing the effort they're putting in, showing how much they're they're coming kind of together. The fans were loving it. Every tackle was being cheered to go, and I think it shows that like the fans are behind this team. They know that they're always going to give their all. They're always going to give one hundred percent. The fans appreciate that. They'll back that. Win things a draw, um, and the players are buying into that as well. On the as you say on, on Twitter, they they, they, were, they were loving it. They were all joining with the kind of the banter with the fans and. It was just great to see, and as you say, just completely indicative of where this team's at and where the fans are really getting behind Newcastle now. Now, just a quick message from our sponsors. Are you looking for a brand new or used Mini or BMW? Then look no further than Lloyd Newcastle. They have an impressive range of all the latest Mini and BMW models, complete with the latest tech to keep you connected, entertained and safe on the roads, such as the Mini Countryman, Mini's most spacious model, with optional all four four-wheel drive technology or BMW X-Drive, an intelligent all-wheel drive system offering a new dimension to driving enjoyment. With a whole range of optional features available, including head-up display, mini-connected, sat-nav, headed seats, parking sensors, stereo upgrades and more, you can really make your mini or BMW your own. Or if you're looking for a used car to be proud of, they have over 600 approved used vehicles across the large group available with competitive finance packages. For the latest offers and to see their used car stock, visit www.lloydmotorgroup.com or why not just pop in? You can find them off Barrett Road just up from St James's Park. Lloyd Newcastle, the way it should be. Did enjoy Yevon's tweet to Christian Atsu telling him that he's taken it. He took, he took it too far. It's up there with these constant Instagram posts of his dog, um, <laughs> which I, I, I love that dog. I think it's a, I do enjoy Yevon's social media uh, adventures. Uh, but I think the best moment for me for the last game was to see Shelby score 
he'll be the first to admit he doesn't score enough goals. Yeah. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and it was an excellent bit of play. I loved the, the, little, the little dummy before he goes to shoot and pops yeah. in at the corner. It takes a bit of a deflection. But great to see him get the goal and hopefully a few more in the last five games and no doubt we'll have another you know, 1,200 pundits this weekend say so he's got to be in that England squad. Um, but what did you make of his performance? Uh, he played very well, didn't he? <clears throat> Again, playing those defence splitting passes, kind of dictating the tempo of the play. Um, that showed great composure. That was his first Premier League goal of the season. Um, and at times, the criticism... Of Shelby in those long, long, those kind of long-range positions where he's got a chance to take a shot at goal, is that he kind of pulls the trigger too early, or he's too keen to kind of score that that Hollywood goal. Um, but at the weekend, he got in that position. He had to wait a long time to get the ball. If you remember the, the image of him screaming at Perez, kind of saying, you know, "Give me the ball now!" Once he got that ball, to have the composure to kind of manoeuvre the better position for himself, it was a great piece of skill. And yes, he took a deflection and arguably Kafferschmeichel would have saved it, but he put it into a very hard area for a goalkeeper to save, scored the goal, kind of set, set the tone for Newcastle by putting them on the head and set the tone for his own performance, which rightly so is getting a lot of plaudits online, a lot of plaudits from pundits and, you know, there's growing calls now to include him in that England squad and Gareth Southgate probably doesn't pay too much attention to the pundits, but the more people who get behind the kind of Shelby to the World Cup campaign, the more traction it's going to get, the more we're going to cover it as a, as a paper, as a, as a website, and the more the likes of Sky Sports and Talk Sport are going to get do you, behind Do you agree with the cause? Well, I do, yeah. I've said this I've said this for a, a long time. Um, he offers something different, doesn't he? It's, it's a completely different dimension to any other England midfielder that's in the current squad. I think there's a lot to be said for the, the, the qualities that the likes of Eric Dyer and Jordan Henderson bring, but none of them kind of have that bravery in possession that Shelby has he's not afraid to give away possession he, he picks a pass and I think that particularly if Jamie Vardy's playing this summer you, you think back to that goal he scored against West Brom a couple of weeks ago where Riyad Mahrez picked him out of a long pass he, he, he spotted the run quite early you just don't back any other England midfielder other than John Joe Shelby to A. see that pass and then B. execute it I think that could be a real weapon. He might not necessarily start the games. I don't think he's necessarily done enough throughout the course of the season. There's always going to be questions about his attitude. Two red cards this season didn't help his cause at all, did it? Um, but, I mean, when we're talking about the last England squad before they played Holland and Italy, I had more hope for the Cells getting into the squad than I did Shelby. I didn't think Shelby had necessarily done enough to warrant it at that stage. But when you're looking at least pick Jake Livermore, who's playing for West Brom, who are rock bottom. 
I think we did a video then we're comparing Shelby themselves to like their England counterparts and Shelby stats were way ahead of uh, Livermore um, Jack Cork's a similar player to Henderson um, Lewis Cook again a similar player to okay, what they've already got in the ranks Shelby offers something different the only, the only, the only negative you, you'd think is that it kind of goes against the way Gareth Southgate plays but then I don't think anyone would necessarily say Shelby deserves a start in the World Cup but it's kind of like that ace in the pack isn't it you've got him on the bench you're chasing the goal against the likes of Tunisia and Panama where you need to get the win to, to progress kind of ease the pressure going in that last game against Belgium John Joe Shelby's the perfect man to bring on isn't he now the cells is someone that has probably got less chance than Shelby to get into the England squad yeah. just simply because of the way Gareth Southgate's set up yeah. uh, sets up his defence rather uh, I know McQuinn uh, suggested dropping John Stones and taking the cells instead I mean I'm sure Ebony Castanet fan would love to see that um, don't think that's going to happen unfortunately mate. Yeah. but he performed really well against Leicester we know he went head to head with um, <laughs> Harry Maguire yeah. um, you know we know that to give the back pages didn't didn't it you know it was a lovely photograph that was snapped of them two facing off first of all should Harry Maguire have seen red for his um, incident with Dwight Gale yes definitely um, <clears throat> you know it was it was petulant it was petty but you know if you raise a hand to the face you run the risk every time aren't you and to me that's a, that's a straight red card I, you, I, I felt aggrieved at the time Newcastle fans felt aggrieved if it happened to one of Newcastle's players, no one could have had an argument, couldn't they? That was the only way around, and Dwight Gale raised the hand. Shelby said that in his interview with, uh, I think it was with the Newcastle yeah. uh, website, he said if that had been me, I probably would have been... Well, that's it, yeah, off. but, you know, that, that might have been the case, his, his reputation goes against him, but, as I say, the point I'm trying to make is that if, if it happened the other way around, every Newcastle fan would feel, would, would, have, no, would have no kind of argument like to stand on, in terms of, backing their man and saying that he shouldn't have been sent off is it a case of that the referee didn't see it is it inconsistency because and I I mentioned this on Twitter the week before Kennedy he didn't slam his face into uh, yeah, his hand into the face like Maguire did but he, he did he did go towards the neck and he did put his hand within I think he did make a bit of contact yeah. now well, I say it wasn't as bad, but letter of the law, he's got to see red. We've seen uh, the Arsenal midfield. I'm not even going to pr- try and pronounce his name because I'm terrible with names. Do the honest yeah. feeling. Uh, no. Know. You know the one who got sent off, then his card's been rescinded, so he'll be able to play on Sunday. Oh, yes. um, El Nani. El that's the yeah, one. I was only joking, El Nani, I could pronounce it. That was me not remembering who got sent off. <laughs> not the pronunciation. Um, El I mean, he should have been sent off. He put his hand in the face. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, they've made the right call. How can the the FA kind of lay down the law and yet they're not being consistent? They're not backing the referees' decisions. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's it's not just that kind of decision either. There's plenty of decisions where there's a lot of consistency. You think later, like shirt pulling in the box. A lot of times that goes unnoticed. A lot of times you get a penalty. Um, at the end of the day, like you, you know, the Premier League referees are the best we have in this country, but they're still prone to human error like anyone else in any other industry. Um, yeah, Newcastle fans had every right to feel aggrieved that Maguire didn't get sent off he should have been sent off but it, I think it just came down to the referee's interpretation on the day yes in hindsight that's wrong but you know he's only getting that kind of split second time to see it in his head he didn't deem it a red card obviously we now know that it should have been a red card but 
you know, <clears throat> these these kind of decisions go go for and go against you all the time throughout a season. I suppose that's the case, um, isn't it? Well, that's it, yeah. And you mentioned Kennedy there. He could quite easily have been punished the week before. That would have harmed Newcastle. Didn't get a decision that day. Luckily, they won, so there wasn't that massive backlash about it, but 100% he should have been sent off. Um, Lascelles in the England World Cup squad, I don't think that's going to happen. Do you? Um, I don't. I think he deserves to. Um, but, you know, you, you're speaking there about McQuinn wanting um, Lascelles to be picked ahead of John Stones, and quite simply, the way Gareth Southgate plays, he wants his defenders to be adequate on the ball and it's not necessarily Lascelles' greatest strength is it you look at the game on on Saturday and if you were going to go on a straight head to head Jamal Lascelles versus Harry Maguire who would you rather have in the plane anyone watching that game would have said Jamal Lascelles the problem being that Gareth Southgate has already put Harry Maguire in there he's done a decent job for England he's very good on the ball the likes of Stones are as well. He's even reverting to playing Kyle Walker centre half, who's not a natural centre half. Um, playing the devil, de- devil's advocate here, though. Yeah. We watch Lascelles week in, week out, as yeah. do all Newcastle United fans. So we're going to have a bit of bias towards of course, yeah. Lascelles because let's not forget how Maguire was on the list of Newcastle United potential targets in the summer. Obviously, Indeed, Leicester yeah. went after him and, and got the deal done. Um, but they're very impressed with him. You know, the pundit's been very impressed. With him. He's a very good defender. Oh, he is, yeah. Um, and is it just a case that you know he's just more suited to the way Southgate just simply wants De- to play? Definitely, yeah. And I think like you know Tarkovsky came in as well. He's proficient on the ball, and you know, yes, he gave away the penalty against Italy, but he played very, very well that day. And the problem is now the cells trying to get an opportunity ahead of the players. Like he's picking, he didn't pick Gary Cahill for his last squad, pick Alfie Mawson instead. I don't think Mawson played in those two games. So that might be a positive. He might be able to force his way ahead of Mawson, but I've said this on a few podcasts before, Gareth Southgate's a big advocate of players coming through the system. Alfie Mawson had a strong experience behind him with the under-21s last summer, playing in the European Championships. The Cells didn't necessarily have a similar kind of experience yes he was capped by the 21s but he wasn't no, by no means a regular um, and just those kind of things work against him I suppose based purely on merit he deserves to go in my opinion we all know the impact he's had in Newcastle Newcastle fans are quick to remind me on social media that the 38 points we've won this season 37 of them has been when the cells be on the pitch which is just absolutely phenomenal isn't it and to be fair it's another point I've made quite often before the season, there was question marks whether he was good enough for the Premier League. We knew he talked a good game. He was a leader in the dressing room. You know, he, he, he got what Newcastle United were about. The fans liked him. But going into this season, Rafael wanted Lejeune and Clark to be his number one pairing. Um, and last season, Clark was probably better than the Cells in terms of performance levels. Which, again, probably shows a lot about the Cells' character as well. That he's came through. He's now the number one centre half by a, by a distance, isn't he? And wow, I don't know. I mean, uh, I know. No, got... what I'll say is the shirt's been good in recent weeks, but they take across the whole course of this right, season. Okay. The Cells has been by far and away the standout centre half. He's the one that you wouldn't drop necessarily. By all means, have Next, a debate with us on Twitter as well. Yes, of course. You know, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not discrediting Florian the um, so I think he's been brilliant recently, but he took a while to settle, didn't he? And you know, when the all you've got to look about is the points when the cells was injured, and 
you know, Kieran Clark, a good defender, did a decent job. He was player of the season last year, but the impact he's made when he's come back in the Thales has been absolutely unbelievable. And you, you look at you look at that, the impact he's had on the, on the team, the fact he's even in the, in the discussion when he was playing Championship football last year. Um, he's done everything he possibly can, I think, to warrant the call up. It may just be a case his face isn't fit in the system. Um, we spoke last week on the podcast. I think you made the point, didn't you? That he, he tried to play out a couple of times against um, Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, kind of got caught a cropper, and it is probably playing in his mind that people are saying that the only thing he needs to do now to get that England call up is to prove he is good in the ball. He can play a bit of football. Um, the thing is, I think that would not not aid him at all because he, I don't think he's a ball playing defender. I think he's much more. You know, no, I agree, and I think that's does the basics. Yeah. Get sport, leave the ball playing to Lejeune. We've seen what Lejeune, Lejeune's past I always press. Okay, it might have been more of a clearance, but you know, we've seen the way Lejeune can yeah. open up the opposition's defence with, you know, a brilliant pass. Um, and I just think that Lejeune has helped the uh, cells improve. I think there's, it's not a secret that both of them playing together. We've seen Newcastle's defence look a lot stronger. Yeah. Same time, Lascelles has also helped Lejeune look a lot sturdier. But then together, I think Newcastle have got a brilliant, brilliant partnership. But I just hope that Lascelles doesn't try and emulate what Lejeune does and Lejeune the way around because they're both two separate kind of defenders. And to be fair, we didn't see much of that against Leicester, did he? Kind of went back to the basics. Um, and if you are going to see a keeper in this play, I think it'll go after the end of the season when there's not a World Cup immediately on the horizon. Um, but again, I think that's probably another thing that works against him. He works very well as a pair. Kieran Clark last season as well was a ball playing centre half more more than the cells, wasn't he? And as a unit, the cells and that ball playing centre half, whether it be Lejeune, whether it be Kieran Clark, work very well. But in England, all three of them act as that kind of the ball playing a quarterback kind of role, wasn't it? Like Kel Walker, Stones, the room out of defence. Eric Dyer will sit in, or John Henderson will sit in. Um, and Maguire again if he plays Tarkovsky they've all got that that kind of that ball playing attitude where the cells necessarily doesn't have and I just think as, as long as Southgate persists with three at the back he just doesn't fit in the system and it, it, unfortunately Gareth Southgate's the man in there at the minute and his face just doesn't seem to fit and of the two players that we're, we're touting for a call up in terms of Newcastle players Going into the last set of qualifiers, you would have said John Joe Shelby. But, uh, sorry, the cells was, was ahead of John Joe Shelby, but now if one of them's going to go, you'd bat it to be Shelby, wouldn't you? It wouldn't be the cells. Unfortunately, I can't see either go, but that's my pessimistic view. Um, just finally, before we, we wrap up and uh, finish off, I always do prayers. I mean, fantastic finish. Um, obviously, give social media, casting fans, <laughs> the ability to say Chip and Schmeichel since 1996. I mean, it was a brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, the little look to, and the, the confidence to do that because, um, you know, I wouldn't dare try that on a five-side pitch, let alone in a game where you're, you know, you're going away from securing Newcastle United's Premier League uh, status, effectively. I think you have tried it on a five-side pitch, but that's beside the point. Um, well, he's trying something similar. Um, but no, yeah, it, it kind of, epitomise where Perez is at at the minute he's playing with a lot of confidence he's now grabbed two goals in successive weeks he's Newcastle's top scorer in all competitions albeit I think he's only scored six goals which 
isn't great. It tells a story in its way. But it tells a story how good the defence has been. Um, but yeah, maybe Perez four or five weeks ago wouldn't have had the confidence to try that. Um, but you know, he, he, he saw the opportunity, executed it brilliantly. It was superb vision from him and the way like it, you know it, 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 he saw Schmeichel off his line lobbed him it was absolutely fantastic um, another match winning goal which he's proven to be quite good at recently isn't he it's no coincidence that he keeps scoring these important goals for Newcastle um, we know Newcastle need another, another 10 in the summer they want another 10, another 10 in the summer but like the rest of the squad has done since the likes of Dubrovka and Kennedy have come in when they've raised their game they raise the trading levels, you know. Benitez are saying today that, um, you know, everybody's pulling in the same direction in trading. Everybody's putting in one hundred and ten percent, and that's that's the kind of impact those two have brought, they've made since they've come in. Dubravka and Kennedy has not just been their impact on the pitch; it's been the lift they've given the whole squad um, in terms of what what they bring on the pitch. But then, kind of pushing everybody else on to prove that they're not as good as the players who are already there and. Perez is the same. He hasn't got that direct, direct competition, but he'll he'll be aware that you know where where we are saying that Newcastle are after number number ten. He'll be aware of the reports and the press that I think he's he's yeah. welcomed the comp. Well, yeah, of course, and, which is and that's same with Paul Dummer as well. Yeah. He, he who hasn't got that competition at the moment because we know well it's pretty likely that Sadio Haidara and Jesus Gomez will be leaving this summer. So there's not that direct competition. But the, Lazar could return and, and be next season's you know. I mean, star. Yeah, that's probably. I'm joking, thing. by the way. Don't uh, come back at me on Twitter with that. Um, I don't foresee that happening <laughs> no, yeah, at all. But you know, Dummett spoken about welcoming the competition. I imagine Perez will be the same. Um, yes, this season he hasn't had the competition number ten, but throughout his time at the club, he's had the battle to to have starts. We came in as a youngster, wasn't necessarily going to be part of the the start of the eleven, and he kind of worked his way into the team that way. So he, he's used to competition. I think he'll welcome it in the summer. Um, and he's not doing his calls any harm, is he? Like you think of Christian Atsu last season as well, who had a fairly average campaign until the final running, where he really hit on, earned that permanent deal, and scored a lot of goals with a constant threat on the left hand side. And he kind of carried that on into this season. He, his end product is still a bit questionable I think but, but he runs a bit yeah, you, you, can't, you can't argue with you know that's it he comes on he's not scared to take a player on um, brings energy brings something different um, and I just think that you know Benitez constantly talks about the mindset of this squad and you know the likes of Dummett and the likes of Perez welcoming the competition just shows that they're all in a very good headspace in terms of pushing Newcastle forward they're not being selfish in terms of I don't want competition because I'm guaranteeing my place here. Yeah, they want competition because they know that it'll drive them forward and it'll drive the team forward, whether it's them playing or the replacement playing. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, But no, Perez has been absolutely fantastic recently. Um, have we said, well, we're talking about Iosie Perez and Modi Army and how brilliant they've been this season. Uh, had we said that to Newcastle United fans at the start of the season, no, if we'd yeah. said to each other, yes, even, yeah. I doubt we would have... Um, foreseeing the situation that we've got now where they are two integral parts of the Newcastle United side not only that they're arguably the reason why Newcastle now can look ahead to, to the, the next season in the Premier League definitely um, you know if you're looking on social media at the start of the season every time a team would come out and be like oh, 
why is he playing Perez? Why is the army in there? What does the army bring? And to be fair, I definitely thought that way. Every time the army played, I was thinking, you know, what, 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 what's he bringing to this team? He's only bringing them down. He's not creating anything. He's not really doing much. Um, but Benitez has always had faith in the army. He's always had faith in Perez. And, you know, he's <laughs> at the end of the day, Benitez has won Champions League. He even comes to the league. Yes, his judgment's better than ours at the end of the day. You may do things that you kind of scratch your head at, but he's been proven right in both of those cases. Like he's persistent with them, knowing that eventually something will click, and you know they, they'll, they'll they'll bring something to Newcastle that's 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 positive rather than negative. And if the army had performed like he has performed since scoring that goal against West Ham, he'd arguably be Newcastle's player of the season, wouldn't he? But unfortunately for him, he had that poor start of the season. But even then, he was aware. He constantly didn't shy away from it. He always spoke to the press. He always said, "Look, I know I'm in very, I'm in bad form. Um, I want to go back to how I was playing at, at Hull, at West Ham, at Wigan, where he impressed for those clubs." And he's kind of there now, isn't he? He's not necessarily as explosive as he was at, the, at those clubs, but he's doing an effective job. He's breaking things down midfield. He's allowing Shelby to flourish. Um, and same with Perez. Perez, people are frustrated that his end product wasn't there. It, it probably is something he still needs to improve, but in recent weeks he's been the man who's who's delivered, hasn't he? And it's great to see both of them turn it around. And it, it kind of gives hope, I suppose, to players, other players within the squad who haven't necessarily set the world alight this season, um, or who you know who, who have still got something to prove to the fans to win them round that. It could happen. It just takes that little switch to bizarre. Not bizarre, but uh, you know, like Sir Jacob Murphy, who I think you know, he's been hard done to in the sense that before Kennedy arrived, he actually looked like he had turned and he started yeah. playing well, right against Man City against Stoke. But you know, he knows that he's probably not going to get much opportunity between now and the end of this season. But when the start of next season with a full preseason um, behind him. Cup competitions coming back into the play, playing like two two games a week a lot more than they are now because it's pretty much straight down the line, apart from the Tottenham game, one game a week now. Um, that if he gets an opportunity, if he seizes it, he can more than you know cement his place on the side. At the start of the season, Mikel Marino was was the great hope. He was fantastic. Um, Newcastle's best midfielder. He now can't get in the team. It just shows how quickly he can turn around. It just takes that one game to give you that confidence and then build on it. And definitely, I suppose that's just uh, the kind of the effect that Benitez has had on that side and the spirit he's invoked within them. Thank you very much for joining us today. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify as well. And we'll bring you live coverage of um, the game on Sunday. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast whether that be through iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch? This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows, And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. 
It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.